Welcome to season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast, where I talk about life after divorce with a playful, fresh, out-of-the-box perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, spicy conversations, and tips to happiness. Are you ready to turn your setback into a comeback? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get started on your new beginning. Welcome back to season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy, last week's episode, The Comeback. Oh, that was so fun to share with you. And if you haven't listened to it yet, you definitely want to treat yourself to that inspiring chat. Well, today's guests, you may have seen them, Holly Harper and Heron Hopper. Yes, that was a tongue twister on the Today Show, or perhaps you've read about them in the Washington Post discussing their co-owned home, The Siren House. What's special about their living situation? Well, it is more than just them buying a home together after divorce, although that is very interesting. It's also the magic that they've created within that space. I know it sounds very Golden Girls, right? I'm getting a Golden Girls vibe. So if you are looking to create a unique post-divorce living space, you are going to love this episode. You know, I read about Holly and Heron months ago, and I was so giddy with excitement when they enthusiastically agreed to be on the podcast. Today's conversation is one that I have been waiting to have with them and with you. So let's get this divorced sorority party started with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. I am so excited to turn up the heat today with Holly and Heron, who founded this famous house called Siren House. So we're going to get the party started with some burning questions. How are you feeling over there in D.C., ladies? Feeling spicy? Hot. Burning. She's burning up. Holly's burning up (laughs) officially. Okay. Well, first burning question is this. If your home wasn't called Siren House, what would it be called? Leave me alone. (laughs) I have a rock that says that and I put it right out front. (laughs) The bubble. The bubble. I love it. Do you ever run fire drills at Siren House? Ooh, define that because it's like always a fire drill. Get in the car. Literal fire drills. Have you ever had a literal fire drill? I would like to say that Holly once exploded eggs in her kitchen, which is probably the closest we came to a fire. So maybe. What is the best part about living in a house full of women? Unconditional love. Mm -hmm. What's the coolest club you've ever been a member of? Oh, the Sad Ladies Country Club. We we invented it. Agreed. Totally the Sad Ladies Country Club. We can share our logo. How many pets and kids live at the Siren House? Eight, three dogs and five children. You want to add to that, Heron? Is there there a goldfish that Holly maybe doesn't? I mean, (laughs) no, those died. The hamster died. The lizard died. I think think we're good. But the adults are all young at heart. So maybe we're kids too. Which of the golden girls are you? Blanche. (laughs) She's totally Blanche. Oh my God. That's totally true. Uh, that's a good question. I'm probably Dorothy. I don't know. Way in here, Holly. Yeah, Dorothy or Sophia. Yeah, that's true. Definitely in their family. Yeah. (laughs) Besides owning a home with other women, what's a unique experience you've had since your divorce? I'm looking at her and like, I have so many, I can't even know where to begin. (laughs) Um, A unique experience. I, in the spirit of collaboration, decided that all of my siren friends should rent a 50-foot yacht in the Caribbean, and we did it. 
I think mine is dating in my 40s in DC because each of those is quite a unique experience. (laughs) (laughs) Were either of you a member of a sorority? No. I specifically went to a college that didn't have any. That did not have any. But I see the Siren House as a unique divorce sorority. And we're going to talk more about that today. (laughs) And I've been waiting to have this conversation. I love how you have created such a special form of community since divorce. I know the listener is going to be so intrigued and inspired by your story. So let's start at the very beginning. How did you two ladies come up with this idea to co-own a home together? The Golden Girls themselves. Really? So the, I mean, little really. Blanche and Sophia and Dorothy inspired this. I love it. For me, it was definitely like, that was my favorite show when I was my daughter's age, like nine or 10. I love those people. They're hilarious. And they live in Florida and they have a lanai and they're all women and they're just wacky. And so I wanted that. And I think we all just kind of do in our heart and it just evolved from there to a reality over many decades. How long have you known each other, Heron? How long have you and Holly been friends? Seven years now. Seven years now. So so when you bought the house together, you'd known each other for what, five, four, five years? Five, five five-ish years. And how did you pick each other? I mean, that's a big commitment. The universe. universe. I want to hear more (laughs) about that. What does that Um, mean? Yeah. Our kids were in the same pre-K three classes. And so there was a group of us moms who basically just became really good friends. There's six of us and we're still really good friends today. So I think we were, the six of us were thrown together by circumstances, but Holly and I just kind of clicked within that group as well. And then similarly went through separations around the same time and sort of the same kind of life evolution. And so a lot of it was just natural and organic. And that was, I was reading more about the evolution of Siren House. So from what I read, if I recall correctly, it was 2018 that you were going through divorces and then the pandemic hit. And that's when you, I don't know, Holly, I think it was you who said, Hey, let's consider buying a duplex together. Yeah. We kind of had that thought before we even knew we were divorcing, just kind of like, we should buy a vacation property or a commune or something. A commune. Um, I love it. And then, <laughs> then people we, really would stay out, Holly, if you had a commune. Yeah, they would. <laughs> and, but then, you know, I separated from my spouse in early 2018 and ended up moving in a, into an apartment in early 2019. And then Heron was kind of soon after, like a uh, six months later, was doing the same thing. And after about a year or six months in a, a small apartment with young kids, you think, oh no, I need land again. And it just uh, immediately was like, hey, what would I buy? A condo and then probably a duplex. And then I thought, well, wouldn't it be better if I bought it with someone I wanted to be neighbors with? And I think Heron were having, you know, was having similar thoughts, but then because we were in communication and Zooming and stuff like that, we just were like, let's just do that. Let's just start taking those steps. And Heron, when you decided you're going to commit to this, what were some concerns you had? I mean, that's, a, again, a big decision to do with someone that you're not legally bound to. I think the concerns, really, I, I didn't have concerns about buying a house with Holly. I think the concerns were more around moving out of a neighborhood that I had been in for a long time and, you know, relocating the kid. I think it was also just, you know, buying a house is challenging. There's a beauty in renting (laughs) where you can call someone to fix it. And so it was kind of like taking on additional responsibility. But I just really went into it with a kind of an open mind and an open heart. And Holly and I had a number of discussions about our expectations and our visions, even aesthetically 
what we were looking for. So I really didn't have any sense of, of anxiety other than maybe like another financial investment. So, and it was early COVID. So I think that was also there. I was just going to ask you about the vision. So ladies, what was the vision and what was the journey to get to that vision? Going back, I think a lot of times it's important that we, you know, we each have a different vision, right? So this kind of fusion that we have right now is so part circumstance and part luck and part, you know, working really hard to make this. So for me as an entrepreneur, like I had been, have been working in architecture, writing and, you know, following the real estate market for a long time. And I was like, why don't there, why aren't there apartment buildings for single parents? Like, I don't understand yes. why these apartment buildings are all built for these millennials and they're, you know, cool aesthetic and their co-working spaces. I'm like, I need a McDonald's playhouse in my <laughs> lobby. Like why? And so I was like trying to get interviews with these folks that started this place called the Y Hotel. I was like trying to really noodle on this problem I was having with apartment living or condo living with a child and just not having community. I mean, my neighbor was like a 25 year old bro. And I was like, Hey, as he carries his cases of empty white claw cans to the garbage room every day. And I was just frustrated. So I was just always like on the lookout for that kind of refuge. And that's where I kind of, my perspective was. What about you, Heron? Yeah, I would say the same thing. It was really, my vision was kind of a sense of freedom moving into something where we consciously were choosing each other and we got to pick the house and I didn't have any sense of settling. I think in my past within sort of financial decisions, real estate decisions, job decisions, there was so much that was done because it was necessary in the moment. And this felt incredibly liberating that th these decisions were really something that I had always wanted to be able to make. And they were finally in front of me. So you, I think it was just like truly liberation. And do you think you felt more of that liberation because you weren't doing it by yourself? You had this co-pilot with you who had a similar vision and drive and passion to find this magical house. A hundred, a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, yeah that the connection that I had with Holly is very grounding and very foundational. And I don't think you can really fly unless you know that you will have a soft landing. Like you can, I can fall flat on my face and Holly will be there to laugh at me if it's necessary, but also pick me up. <laughs> and have her Blanche um, comment, right? I'm sure there's a totally. fun Blanche comment when you fall <laughs> totally. on your face. Blanche always had those good one-liners, which is why we yeah. loved her so much. Yeah. So like behind every good woman is another good woman. Oh, I right? agree. Absolutely. So you two were on your mission. You had your vision. You weren't going to settle. So what was from the time that you decided we're, we're going to do this to the time you like laid eyes on Siren House? Was it months? Was it weeks? Two days. What? Two mm, days? Yeah, two days. <laughs> I'm like thinking about Holly. I 48 think hours? Well, it was a little longer because the first time, remember we met on it. We had the Zoom like say on a Thursday oh, and then we yeah. met Nate like on Saturday at that random house. Meets our, our agent. Yeah. Our agent. And then a week later, we saw Siren House made an offer. And so it was, so it was like, I thought it was like Thursday, Sunday. I don't know. But we went to that one house in the middle and then we had that whole day where we toured. That was like five days later, but inside of a week. Okay. Let's just, yeah, it was, it was fast. <laughs> let's put it that way. Yeah. I, I, yeah two days, five ones. days, like doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You just and, felt I mean, it. Just, you both just walked in and like, this is it. Is that what it was like? Yeah. Well, we saw it online first. I saw it and then I sent it to Holly. And I remember Holly, you were like, that's just a house. I was like, no, it's four units. Like, this is it. And so when yeah. we walked in, it was, it was like the heavens opened up and sang. I mean, it was, it was like, this oh, I it. felt that. I felt yeah. that, Heron. Yes. Yeah, it was. I, the light was pouring into the windows of Heron's unit and they had just refinished the floors and reflecting on these like beautiful, like 
you know, it's a hundred year old house. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is my dream home. And I only have to clean a third of it. I love it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, you are selling this idea to me already, Holly. So, <laughs> so it was four units. There's two of you. So did you find two other women right away or how did that unfold? Yeah. So we posted right away for the um, garden level, the basement, walkout basement units of two bedroom. And a woman in the neighborhood immediately said, I, you know, I walk by there every day. I've lived here forever. I am a single mom. Can I move in? And we said, yeah, come by. We had a kind of a group of folks walk through, but she really struck a chord with us. And so she moved in. And then a few months after that, our friend from Capitol Hill, who's a single woman with no kids, uh, we convinced her to move in from you know, she was living in a basement unit. We put her up in like our attic studio that's very light and bright. And so we were kind of, the house was full by the end of 2020. What is the magic of Siren House? Hmm. Uh, we have been going over this over and over and over. And it really is Heron and I. <laughs> like, you know, we're I like, love it. we were saying one day we were like, you know, because a lot of folks have been like, oh, how can I do this? How can I do this? And I want to help them. And I'm I wrote an ebook so you can go to our thesirenhouse.com and you know see the nuts and bolts, see our co-tenancy agreement and you know how we planned renovations and how we balance the budget. Like all of that I wrote down. But then there's this bit of part where I'm like, oh, this is really harder than you might imagine. And it's so hard to articulate, but the thing that makes it hard is what makes it so worth it. And I, I'm sure Heron can take the thread there, but like the hardest things that we're doing right now about growing and expanding and taking risks and being vulnerable, like we're only doing them because of Siren House, but that doesn't make them easy things. Yeah. I think fundamentally, I sort of go down even to like a more micro level, which is you have to know how to sit with yourself. You have to get really intimate with who you are and what you need. And then you have to be able to communicate that. And then the person you're communicating it to has to be open to that communication. Um, and it sounds so simple, but I think in our culture, it's so incredibly hard because it's terrifying to sit with yourself because then you realize like how many maybe bad decisions you've been making or things about yourself you don't like. And so you have to be able to process that. And then with that connection and communication comes trust and unconditional love. So we can screw up, repair and move on. There's no room for passive aggressiveness, vendettas. It's just, we just, are yeah, basic totally in community. Yeah. yeah. There's a, we're just, we're in community. And it's really like Karen said, it sounds so easy. Like, oh, you know, I can tell you everything. Well, no, we, no, people can't do that. We do not speak very well to each other directly. And that's because we're always trying to not hurt either ourselves, defend ourselves, or not hurt the other person. And then we just get into these weird cycles. And Heron and I are constantly working to break ourselves of that in our communication with each other, and which is like ripple effects around, you know, how we show up in the world. It sounds really intimate. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm listening so intently, because when you're when you're sharing and thank you for your vulnerability, it sounds like a really intimate relationship. And I think a lot of people, they look at your your concept, it's like one big fun party. Here we are a bunch of women, we're always having sleepovers and you know, sharing our Rice Krispie mm -hmm. treats that we just made for the kids. And clearly you're going a lot deeper than just sharing a home. Like you're sharing your lives yeah. with each other is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess you don't have to. I mean, that it would be easy for me and I have gone days and days and days or weeks without seeing Heron, right? Yeah, but like, we're still texting and talking. <laughs> right, right. But if we weren't, like, say we were just neighbors, we just happened to move into oh, the same yeah. apartment building, you could just make it a condo. Like, it does, the technical nuts and bolts stuff, you just have to be a lot more clear in the legal part and then just be have strong boundaries, right? 
I always say like, don't make friends with your neighbor's mom because they always end up being annoyed with you. Like, stop it. (laughs) But in this case, we chose the opposite and then that takes work. And the work is what to you? The work is knowing yourself better. The work is, tell me more about that. Cause that's, that's such a layer that I don't think a lot of people who'd, who'd see your story, look at your story, read your article would really fully grasp. I mean, I, we're going to get to the code of conduct that you have this, I think it's called the siren yeah. foundry, but yeah, my manifesto. Yeah. yeah. And I, I read, uh, uh, you know, on that and that was really powerful, but talk to me like, what, what is the drive to do the work with each other? Oh man. It's how else can, I mean, oh, go ahead, Aaron. It's so big. I, yeah. It, <laughs> bottom line it. I will try to bottom line it. We weren't, I think individually, we struggled, right? We struggled against external forces and, and how to internalize that. And um, the disassociation, I think this culture has that I've certainly experienced between like my body and my mind and my heart. And, and it it sounds very like foo-foo in a lot of ways, but it's actually really fundamental. And I think that disconnection, like, I love that you use the word intimacy because in our culture, intimacy is only what you have with your spouse or your partner. Um, And it's often interpreted as sexual, where it actually is just holding space for someone else in a way that is a true connection, you know, that there's authenticity there and there's trust there. And so it does. I mean, we, you have to be committed to yourself first before you can be committed to anybody else. And it's an iterative process, right? I mean, I, I've screwed up. I can't even tell you how many times, not just my bad mommy list within these past like four days, but other things. And it's, so it's, there's a lot of joy in the reflection, right? There's a lot of happiness in this journey as well. It's not like heavy and deep and you have to sit there and navel gaze, but it's really like, how do you want to show up in life? Right. Um, and who do you want to show up in life with? Um, and Holly makes me a better person. I, that's true. And I guess for me, you know, <laughs> Uh, that's true in reverse. I meant to say, um, the thing that I was trying to do is cut, like, um, let's come up with kind of an example and it's hard in, you know, in hair and eyes context, we are clicking, you're firing on all cylinders, but like a great example would be say your best friend. Okay. This is a real life example. One of my good friends comes to me and she says, my spouse is, you know, yelling at me and calling me names in front of the children. And I say, well, tell him to stop doing that. And also, you know, leave him if he is abusive. And she says, I can't leave because I reason number one, reason number two, reason number three. Now in my world, like those reasons you are choosing, you're making choices. You're choosing to choose, prioritize one thing over the other. In the siren house, if I said that to Heron, she would say, why can't you leave? What, What makes you think that is a valid reason? And we dig into that like, oh yeah, I can leave. I'm choosing not to. And then that really helps you own your choices and your behaviors and and also, you know, see where you're being, I guess, like you're self-deceiving, right? You're exceptionalizing. So really just digging into and being able to sit there and let someone just probe into the darkest corners of your decision-making is very vulnerable. And yet I feel like I'm making better and better and better decisions every single day because of that practice. I really uh, am appreciating how you are being each other's witness to your lives. And I think that's on some level, we all deeply want people to witness our lives. We want people to know what our journey is you know, for me, when I go on a date, I can know pretty quickly if this is someone I want to see again, based on how he listens and asks questions, because I want to be known. And I think mm-hmm. if you can't be known in your own home, mm-hmm. where can you be known? And I think and that's, I think that's I, a, a lot of reasons why so many yes. of us got divorced, right? Because we didn't feel exactly. known even in our own mm-hmm. homes. And so yeah. what's really touching me in this conversation 
is how you are choosing to really know each other in the home that you yeah. live in. I mean, that's yeah, like the, a huge part of your magic. It's that's huge. And it's a safety net like no other. I mean, I know I just am cared for in this way by Heron that, you know, my marriage didn't have because of that kind of break in the romantic, sexual, blah, 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 intimacy. I wasn't safe emotionally there for all these other reasons that we attach to romantic marriage and our culture. And I want to have those with Heron. I just have this intimate relationship where I feel safe. And that means I'm, I am safe to make mistakes. And that's huge. Heron, did you want to add to that? I have another question if you um, are good. I don't know if I want to add to that. I'm just trying to think like, no, I think we're good. <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, the isolation of marriage and talk, you know, when I first kind of split up from my husband, it was kind of a fiery thing. And our mom group, our six moms found out about it. And then all my other mom friends. And one day, one of my good friends called and she was like in tears. And she's like, Oh, one of my, I found out my partner was, you know, flirting with a coworker and they were blah, blah, blah. And it, it didn't go anywhere, but I found out. And I thought, well, wow, like I'm the one that was unfaithful to my spouse. And now you're telling me about your spouse's infidelity as a sister. And it was like, wow, she just wants someone to feel like she can see her. She sees that she needs someone who knows that even if I was on the other side of that coin, like who has been through that kind of ripping torture. And it's that isolation that we're trying to eliminate. So when people are listening to this and they're not divorced or they're thinking about it, just know that your friends are also thinking about it. And you're not alone and you've got to start saying your truth out loud mm-hmm. more because if you keep it in, no one's going to know it. Right. Yeah. There's what? a beauty in rawness. Yes. Basically. Yes. That, that just, this is me. Yep. All of this is me. One thing that I've been learning and practicing since my divorce is articulating my needs. And when I read <laughs> your siren foundries that the code of, the code of conduct is the siren foundry. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Okay. It's a manifesto. It's a manifesto. Yes. <laughs> That's more fun. The manifesto, Holly. Exactly. You know, and you talk about trust, empathy, curiosity, grace, generosity. I mean, those are the things that I've learned I need I need these things. And they're so universal. I mean, you're nodding, you're both nodding your heads right now. Like we all need these things, but we don't ask for them. And I love, I love how you just have it in black and white. This is what Mm -hmm. this house is about. This is what we're going to give to each other. And this is what we're going to receive. Because I think as women, we're all women in this conversation, we are so Mm -hmm. conditioned to give just give and give and just hope you get something back. Oh, I just hope I get something back. But in your manifesto, you're like, I also get to receive this. And I love that. Yeah. It's so reciprocal. Yeah. Who thought of the, the, uh, this was Holly's idea or a collaborative yeah. idea or the code yeah, of conduct? I think kind of, yeah, I'm like a branding I do branding work and consulting work on um, helping people really define their values and see where once defined, they're misaligned. So this is what I do for a job. I just have done it for myself as an individual. And then I did it for Siren House. I've done it for companies and individuals <laughs> through my consulting practice. So when we moved in, I had to I had to have this. It's a defining way that makes me accountable to a code of conduct that I want to hold. And the part that's in there that is a little bit unique from you know what businesses do or what even marriages do is a, an element in there called radical transparency. And that is the do not lie to yourself. Do not withhold your truth. Do not hide behind your shame. I will love you no matter what it is that you're going to tell me as long as you tell me. And that part is what got me through my separation. It got me through the loss of you know, my fam- close family members, 
I learned in marriage that I was protecting my husband, protecting my reputation, protecting like this fake image of what I thought people thought I should be. And as soon as I started just telling everyone who loved me how shitty it was, I realized like this is a key to safety. This disempowers all the shame. If you just tell the person you love the most how horrible you are, they're immediately gonna be like, oh yeah, I did that. That's terrible. We're terrible people. High five. Move. Do better. Like, or, oh yeah, you're... You're in that red area. Like you, you are transgressing your values. Like, is this who you want to be? And you said it earlier. It's a part of accountability that is so hand in hand with transparency. You know, saying your truth, it means you're accountable to it. You have witnesses and that's what community is for. Yeah. Here, and you talked about dating earlier. Has living in the siren house made you a better dater? Living this transparent, um. <laughs> truthful life? I'm curious. I mean, I'm curious. You're getting a lot of practice I- with your housemates. I, I have temporarily <laughs> ceased dating. Ah, so have I. High is. five. Yeah. Here we go. Boom. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's um unique if we go back to that word. I actually, living in Siren House, it just made me a better human, period. Um, and part of it is because, it, this also sounds cliche, but like I've got to follow my dreams. I have changed jobs. I am pursuing, uh, I'm a coach on this. I have a day job. I work for a really awesome nonprofit. And then I'm also a coach and- And I wouldn't have been able to take the leap in either of those directions without Siren House. And part of it was all of the damage I had done to myself to get to the place where we had this manifesto, right? And where we had this radical transparency. And I could say, oh, God, I don't like myself right now. Or, you know, oh, there I go again in this like crazy direction. So I just think Siren House has made me a better fill in the blank, not because of the really just because of the, of the space, right. Of the liberation of the freedom to be able to say, I royally fucked up this again, fill in the blank. Cause it's a long list. Um, and then see and say it out loud. So I am seen, um, and it makes the thing, it minimizes it often, right. If, if you've done something bad to say it out loud, makes it manageable. So I think I'm a better human, which perhaps is why I've taken a break from dating. (laughs) (laughs) And as the Blanche in the room, I did the mad scientist, like let's join every dating app and go on every possible type of date, like a anthropologist of online dating. And it there. was so fun. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's all yeah, very fascinating. I could come home to this, like, you know, gossip session. Yeah. I mean, in fact, we were, I was doing this during the pandemic. So a lot of times the date would just be like having a glass of wine on our porch. And so <laughs> as soon as it was over, be like, Harry, we got to talk about this. And I mean, or the one that I actually was, joined you on while I ate an apple yes. and watched it go up in flames. Flames when I just like ripped somebody just a new one for being a complete POS. And, and Harry's just sitting there like eating an apple, like. Bearing witness like, to your this. life, Holly. You know? This is real exactly. life. I love it. And, you know, it was, and, and yeah, so dating, you know, it's, if a person can come to the house and be like, this is what you are. And I'm not intimidated by that. That's step one. Great. And then that shows that they're curious and that's step two. Awesome. And then we'll see if they make it to step three, which is meeting us in person. Most people don't make it to meeting us in person the second time. At least I've had a million first dates and very few second dates. <laughs> but so it has you- been a, it was a fun journey of, you know, all the swiping. <laughs> do you like a sorority? Do you have a, like a, a weekly dinner where you get together? I mean, how do you have space and time to be doing this type of work together? Do you, do you carve it out every week? What does that look like? 
it's more yeah. organic, you know, yeah. balancing so much that it just, yeah, well, if we, if I need a, an appointment, I'll set an appointment, but most of the time it's done in these, you know, hour long talks before the kids wake up or after they go to bed. Yeah. And then we I have formal events, you know, we had a movie night the other night and that was super fun. We all came to the pool yesterday. That was really fun. So yeah, yeah we do a lot of stuff together. And I think part of that also goes back to that, that concept of like, we both know to ask for what we need. And so I think that allows for that organic relationship. Um, but we certainly do have Google calendars full sometimes of hanging out with mm-hmm. each other. Yeah. <laughs> I live, I don't, live in a, I don't live in a similar situation, but one of my best friends does live above me. I live in a duplex. We don't own this house. But what I love about the situation is that she's like, no matter what I'm doing, I know she's upstairs. Like she's always yeah. there. And my kids love her. And so I have to ask about the kids now. I mean, you have eight children in this house. How has it had, how has it transformed their lives? How are they evolving because of what you've created for them? Well, there's five, not eight. Oh, I, two for, pardon me. <laughs> three dogs. I, number eight, it was with the pets included. The, the, five children. The my, dogs my apologies. too have evolved. I was going to say, dogs maybe yeah, the dogs evolved. are, yeah. you know, keeping their <laughs> truth too. They're keeping their truth also, too. Also, like my daughter's best friend's mom lives a couple blocks up and she's a single mom. So technically we have seven a lot. Like right now I'm here with those kids because I don't know where your kids are. I have a third kid. (laughs) I don't know. Well, one, my older daughter just went to the grocery store because I can do that. Go get something. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a very, like the kids love it. It's like having cousins and they're always just, Hey, can we do this? Can we, their, their schedules are now amping up as the youngest is Madeline, my daughter, and she's nine. And so they're all just, they're just growing together. Like cousins would, like you see in like the Sandlot movies, it's just very organic and sweet and they love each other. And they'll get annoyed with each other and just like not talk for an hour, but then they're back playing again. And so they love it. Madeline walked in the other day and was like, mommy, or she goes, mom. And then she looked at her and she goes, other mom. (laughs) And it was just so cute. So they're, they, I don't know. My daughter is an only, and I just can't imagine a better situation for her. They are going to learn so much that they don't even realize right now. I can't, I mean, I'll interview them in a decade. I want to talk to your kids in like a decade. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Your, your story has received so much press, including, you know, being on the Today Show and other talk shows. What do you think the intrigue is about a group of, of women co-owning a house? Like, I mean, the world is watching you literally. I think it's honestly, yeah. Like, because there are no men here. We live like this is what so many of the comments are women and it, it, it sounds like I'm bottom lining it and it's it sounds a little harsh because men too can be in a situation like this. They can um, have a, a divorce but, fraternity. Yes. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like, oh, how how are women being able to navigate this world post-divorce? You know, where are their spouses? Like, how do they do the children? Can they do this financially? It should be a nonprofit. And it's like, no. Right? right. We are a hundred percent capable, competent, beautiful, and flawed human beings who are individuals with our own agency. And so I think we're really challenging the narrative of what marriage or even post like what divorce looks like. I think we're challenging the narrative of like success and what that looks like after divorce and happiness. Right. Um, and I, I it, it's, we're not unique in this, like what we've done in a lot of ways or how we are or our existence after divorce and being in this great place. Um, but we were given a microphone and for some reason, I, it's just, it's amazing how many people are shocked 
that there can be a success story like this. In the comments, you know, hundreds and hundreds of women at mentioning their girlfriend saying, we talked about this when we were 20 or 25 or when, you know, Brent kicks the bucket or if my husband gets hit by a bus, like there, women are dreaming of this and, and they aren't alone. You know, this has been in pop culture since forever. And now we're doing it in real life and women are admitting this is what they want. And it's scary. You know, they are like, I really want to not have that guy in my eating over my sink. Like, you know, there's that, there's a desire to be liberated from the male influence. And it's, it's like, yeah, girls, like, let's do this. And or or yes. And right. Like yes, husband and best friend. Um, yeah. And I mean, I have a boyfriend right now and I'm just like, yes. And I love having a boyfriend and I love living in my house and I love not cohabitating right now. And I love living in this moment. So yes. And do it all. Just do all the things. Do all the things. Can I date your house? I don't know. Is it available? Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We're in an, we Is are you in an open relationship? Can I date your house too? Can we make Polly, Polly situation here? Yeah. Well, you can sublet when I'm gone. <laughs> come on down. I mean, I'm perfectly fine if you want to come lie naked on their porch and just see if it's a match. Yeah. We're good Where do that. you live? We could like switch. right. Yeah, how could we make that happen? I live in St. Exactly. Paul, Minnesota, so I don't know. But this, <gasps> okay. the I love question, Paul. I know, right? It is very charming here. <laughs> Actually, I love Minnesota too. So there the question, go. I guess, I mean, like with my joke is, how can more women and men who are divorced create their own siren house? Can you just give each one helpful tip to that? Say it out loud. Say it out loud. That's Heron's. What about you, Holly? Yeah, download my ebook. <laughs> download your that's perfect download your ebook and that's the perfect segue so how yeah, can they find yeah. you and do that and learn more about your manifesto and all of this deliciousness yeah. go to the sirenhouse.com and i wrote an ebook about the nuts and bolts so you can get all of your logistical questions answered like how much to save each month or how to get started when to call the realtor etc and um just start telling people you're interested you know if you're going through this and you start telling your friends then maybe somebody will want to do that alongside you and you can start that journey. So my theme for season three is the comeback. And I would love for us to end with each of you answering this question. How have you come back to yourself since your divorce? I honestly did not know myself at all prior to getting married when I was 24 years old. So starting in 2016, when things really accelerated the unraveling, I have come back to actually seeing me mm. outside of the lens of, you know, other people. And it's powerful. I know me better than ever. And I'm fucking awesome. I ah! love it. I'm fun. It's great. Mm. <laughs> she is fucking awesome. I can, I can double down on that one. Um, I think for me, it's, 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 it's sort of like, I'm finally living so many of the thoughts I had as a kid or a teenager. Um, that I was really brilliant actually when I was 17. And then I, I got lost in the noise of doing what other people expected of me. Um, and so I feel really like coming back to myself is, is an embodiment. It's a reinvigoration. Um, and it's brought like curiosity and wonder and breathing. <sighs> like I can breathe. Like I yeah. can breathe. Well, your story is just so inspiring and it just shows how much 
one can experience and have after divorce. You have given us the gift of possibility today. So thank you so much. I am so grateful to have this time with you and have learned about your story and how you created some and have created some incredible, unique community after divorce. I hope someday to meet you ladies and step step into the doors of the Siren House. Next time I'm in DC, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, come we're gonna to do DC. it. It's gonna please, happen. Yes, please come. Yes. We're gonna sit you, on that porch and talk about our dating. It'll be yes. hilarious. Yes. Look at our clothes. <laughs> yes, Both are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Heron and Holly. Keep on shining. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You too. Oh, so much to soak in after that conversation. That was just so fun. All of their information will be in the show notes. So definitely look for the link to the interview on the Today Show, the link to the Washington Post article, obviously Holly's ebook, and just their website. Their website is a lot of fun. So definitely visit their website. Well, I, I don't know. After that chat, I think we all need to have a siren house of our own or a golden girls community. Or maybe if you're a divorced dad listening, you could have a golden guys community. I know that was fun to say. After that amazing chat, how are you feeling about your own comeback journey? Inspired, right? Then that makes it the perfect time to share a comeback tip with you. Say these tips to happiness. Last week I shared how this season I am going to, during the tips to happiness segment, share actually a comeback tip. And so today is the first comeback tip and I'm excited to share it. But before I do that, I have a burning question for you. How are you getting by, really? Maybe, possibly, is it with a little help from your friends? Remember that song? I love that song. You know, people tend to isolate after a divorce. Maybe you've done this already. I know I've done this already. And while I am, I'm all about alone time and getting comfortable being by yourself, I've practiced a lot of that this summer, we still need people. And when the going gets tough, we especially need our friends and our family. So you need to reach out. Maybe it's even to a mentor or to a therapist. And I get how asking for help can be really hard. I'm really self-sufficient. I like to feel independent. But I know sometimes I need help. But one thing that I have learned time and time again, that the more that you do anything in life, it gets easier. And you know, most of the time, you're not inconveniencing the people that you're asking for help. People actually like to be needed. I know I like to be needed. And honestly, on this comeback journey, you're going to discover that you're not always strong. I discovered that big time this summer. And guess what? That's okay. Because neither are most of the people that you know. And it turns out we all need a little help from our friends. So write down, I want you to write down three things that you need help with right now and determine who you want to ask. And it doesn't have to be, you know, something big like sharing a house, like the women in Siren House. Maybe you, maybe you want to do something like set check-in chats on a Sunday, the time that you're missing your kids or when you might be feeling anxious about the week ahead and you just need to to talk it out and vent or cry. And be sure, you know, rotate your Sundays with, with people in your circle, share the love. Ask on social media, ask for some of your contacts to cheer you up. I mean, we're on social media all the time. You know, people always have like some funny dog meme they wanna send you. Ask someone to actually help you with adopting a pet companion, like a dog, or ask someone to look after your dog so that you can get away for the weekend. Or, I love this one, ask if a friend has a place for you to actually stay for that getaway. If anybody has a place in Malibu, just call me. But seriously, whatever it is that's going to cheer you up and lessen your burdens and make you feel heard and validated, ask for it. Just ask. Okay? Promise? And remember, all of this is going to lead you to your comeback. 
Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and be sure to subscribe, rate, and of course, review the podcast. And I want you to be part of this life after divorce community by following me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and TikTok at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. Be sure to also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net to download Sadie's eight tips to happiness. You'll also find all of my podcast episodes on my website as well. If you've found value in my podcast, consider being an official sponsor. Email contact at divorcedandhappy.net to learn more about this tasty opportunity. And speaking of tasty, you can also buy me a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit buymeacoffee backslash Sadie Marie, and you can buy me a cup or two, and I thank you for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I look forward to seeing you next week for another round of content created to kickstart your comeback.